Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend the next couple hours here, right up to five, engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation. We'll have some local, state, and national news and politics. We will uh, talk a little sport. We'll have some sport in there. Local sport, regional sport, international sport. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, as always. Thanks for spending some time with us through your radio at Information 1000 KSOO. Cruising around town, getting your deal done on a Monday afternoon. Or maybe you're streaming live at KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app that you got to get. You just just get it. it. You'll be better for it. You know, suddenly your life will turn around. Your goals will come into view. Things will seem much sharper in focus. You'll have more energy. You'll sleep better. Your children will be nicer to you. You were flirting with it here. A little bit. A little bit. I might, a little I, hyperbole. I, I probably pushed it on the children thing, but all, all those other things are true. If you just get the KSO mobile app, you just go to your platform, whatever that is, whether you're an Android person, whether you're an iOS person. That's what the smart kids say when they mean Apple. iOS. iOS. Yeah. Because they don't want to use the brand name. No. No. It's just an operating system. It's not a company. And uh, you can go there and get your KSO mobile app. You get the one-touch streaming, which is always nice. And you also see the latest news and weather updates and different stuff from our friends here at Results Radio. And uh, we are on Twitter, at P. Lally Show. A, that's at, not A, at, it's the at symbol, then P-L-A-L-L-E-Y, which is my name, P. Lally Show. Then you're all set up and ready to go on the Twitters, so you can follow along there, which is fun. And uh, Dan keeps you up to date with the links and all that. Man, I'm I'm a little groggy today. I'm not going to lie to you, Dan. A little, little slow on the uptake. Got home a little late last night from uh, driving across Wisconsin and Minnesota into the wee hours. The wee little hours. Got in about 1230. You made it there. You made it back. Yep, did. It was all good. Chased the storm out of here on Friday. Was that? Yeah, Friday. Friday. No, Thursday night. It was Thursday night. Late Thursday. Right behind the big front. That dumped all the rain uh, all the way across. That was the, you know, if you looked at that storm on the radar on Thursday night, remember, as you recall, it was like, oh, it looks like we've got a little dust up out there uh, down on the Missouri River which turned into just a massive, massive storm of rain. You know, there was, some, there was some violence in there too, but it was like from Montreal to Houston. I mean, it was huge when you looked at it on the radar. Did you happen to see that? Yeah, I think I kind of looked at it, and, it's, and it kind of looked like from, from Duluth all the way down to around uh, dude, it was in Canada. Grand Island. Yeah, it was in Canada. Yeah, you go Duluth to Grand Island. I go Montreal to Houston. I I may be using a bit of hyperbole there, but it was huge. And it wasn't very wide, but it was very, very long. But uh, uh, we chased that storm all the way. There were people, friends of mine, who were uh, ahead of us going east, and they just got, they were in the middle of the monsoon. It was tough, tough driving. But we were lucky. We only made it to La Crosse on Thursday and then into Madison on 
Friday for the big race, the Trek Cross Cup, the World Cup, where all the world's best convened on Waterloo, Wisconsin. And it was awesome. It was an amazing weekend. Um, I, uh, I, as it turns out, this is, I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you. And of course, this is bike racing, cycle cross racing on dirt and stuff. I'm still old and I'm still slow. That has not changed. That's the lesson from the weekend. Still old, still slow. There's only one of those things I can affect. Can't change the old. I could change the slow with a little bit of work. Mm, but what is that little bit of work? Little, it's a lot of work. Okay. And uh, uh, some significant lifestyle changes um, that a, a younger man might be able to pull up. No, I, you know, it was fine. It was fun. But it was, it was a realization that I am not as quick. I'm not as quick around the track as I once was. But that didn't matter. World Cup was just an awesome experience. And uh, actually, we ended up, JP and a couple of uh, folks I was there with, uh, and JP had a great weekend. She raced three times, killed it, killed it. Only, only flew off the course once. So that's good. That's a good sign. Uh, so, but it was a, her first big sort of monster event like that. And there was a lot of people there. And uh, a lot of racers, a lot of spectators for the World Cup. So it was fun. But, uh, yeah, so she, we ended up in Cyclocross Magazine because there was this picture, and I've posted on my personal Facebook page, um, of uh, uh, the, the top uh, women riders were g- going around the course. And, and a woman, without too much detail, one of the leader crashed kind of right in front of the second-place woman. And it was kind of a big pile, a great photo from the other side of the, the course where we were. And there's just this moment of everybody going, ah! You know, mouths agape. It's a great photo. So, you know, we a little bit famous. Uh, had a great time. Uh, Twin Arts. Twin Arts, the Belgian, won the men's race. Uh, 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 what the heck is her name? Wasn't Ellen Noble. She's the American who was going to win. Uh, yeah, no, I forgot her name. She's, I think she's Belgian. She's something. But uh, she won the race. But uh, both of them, huge, huge events. Great time. This weekend, coming up. Jingle Cross, down in Iowa City. We'll do it all again. Another World Cup. Back-to-back weekends of massive racing here in the United States. All the world's best. So, you know, you can follow along with that uh, on, the, on the various Facebook pages and such if you're into cycling. A lot, of, a lot of people I know that listen to this show are into the recreational arts. And that's why I bring it up. Because we're active people. We're, we're out there doing things, right? That's, that's, what we're, that's our focus here. That's what we're trying to get done. And uh, this is just this is just one way, um, you know. If we want to get into cyclocross, by the way, Elmwood Forest Cross, our local race here coming up on October twenty first. Um, Madtown Cross up in Madison, South Dakota, uh, November twelfth, something like that. It's a weekend, a couple weeks after uh, Elmwood, and then uh, Lamar's Frosty Cross down there in Lamar. So if you want, if you ever thought about getting, just come on out to Elmwood Park on Sunday afternoon, October twenty first. And you can learn all about it. Elmwood over by uh, Elmwood Golf Course across the uh, Russell from Elmwood Golf Course. So we'll be out there. It'll be fun. Cyclocross is a gas, man. People call it NASCAR on grass. Now, I don't think that's particularly apt, but that's sometimes what it gets called. A lot of shucking and jiving. And 
I guess I think everybody's everybody's bike would have to go through inspection. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. You're looking for the motors, that kind of thing. Well, you do in the big races, they come around with a little thing that they, because you can't have, your tires can't be more than 33 centimeters or uh, millimeters wide. So they got this little thing, they slide over your tire. Ooh, ooh, are you ooh, too wide? And you gotta can't use those tires. So, it, you know, it's very similar in that respect. There's no like spoiler plates or anything like that. Yeah, but they don't have pit crews. Yeah, you do. You do have pit crews. Got pit crews. I worked the pit this weekend a little bit for some of my friends. The farther up you go, so during the World Cup race, especially, it's fun to watch those guys because they're uh, a lot of them are Europeans, right? So there's two on a on a you know roughly mile ish course, mile and a half. There's you have one pit, two sides, okay? So you you can pit every half lap. So you go by on each side, and every time their rider comes by. You hear them yelling at them, you know, <laughs> in, you know, like Flemish or something. And uh, so it's fun. It's fun to hang out and watch those guys. Uh, you know, they're, they're in amazing, amazing shape. That's what's, that's what's the thing you notice right away. They're not big guys, but they're just like ripped because they're competing at the highest levels of international competition. And any ounces of fat that are unnecessary that will slow you down. There are no unnecessary ounces of fat. Only enough to keep you alive. I mean, we're talking guys that weigh like, well, you know, maybe 150 pounds. You know, They're, some of them are a little taller, but not, not many because it's better to be short or it's better to be small. The lighter, the better. Watts per kilogram, my friends. Watts per kilogram. Uh, but, hey, enough about racing. Uh, we had a great time. And uh, going back this weekend with my para- Parallel 44 team, Powered by Sanford Power, and uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be hitting it again. I got lots of. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you can see all this stuff. Or follow Parallel Forty Four on uh, on Facebook. We have a team page. You can see all the photos, see all the the, the wrecks and such. So it's a good time. Uh, we have a great show for you today. Our guests are the mayor, the mayor Paul Tenhaken will be here, and he'll be with us in the second hour. The common man is our f- weird friend of the day. We're going to talk a little golf, a little politics. And I will have a PL statement just after the next break in what time I have left. Today's topic, oh, the Sanford inter- the impact, the effect, not impact, impact's not a verb, effect of the Sanford International. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Twenty-two on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's time for the P&L Statement when we look through the news and find things of interest to us, to me. And today's uh, installment comes from uh, Sioux Falls.Business, our friend uh, Jody Schwan at the website for business in this community. And Jody, of course, a well-known force uh, for news gathering in the business world. And uh, she had this very interesting uh, column that I saw yesterday, and it's uh, about the big golf tournament, the Sanford International. But as her lead here says, uh, and, and the uh, headline, by the way, hidden headlines 
at the Sanford International. And her lead is, I might be the only credentialed member of the media who didn't really cover anything related to golf at this week's Sanford International. Instead, I spent years, I'm sorry, I spent parts of several days meeting people who never showed up on the tournament roster and thinking about what that message, what message the event sends to our broader community. My takeaway, this event is all about relationships and reputation. And so Jody goes through some of the people who were there and, and, and Jody is, uh, has the, the deepest source network of uh, pretty much anybody I know. And she, uh, uh, because she's good at, at working a room. All right. Let's just say that. So she talks to a lot of people at these, at these events related to the tournament. And she, uh, talks about them in this column here and, she says uh, those are people like Jerry Johnson, board chairman and co-founder of Minnesota-based Energy Management Collaborative, which is a major sponsor of the tournament. His company installs energy-efficient lighting control systems and does business with Sanford. His daughter-in-law interned there, which is what introduced him to Sioux Falls. Uh, they were tremendous to her and the community. General, general has been t- terrific, he said. It's really welcoming, and there's a lot going on here. It's not this little town on the prairie. It's like the city on the prairie, which is a nice thing of him to say. Uh, he used to sponsor a uh, Tour Champions event, which is what ours was, the senior tour in Minnesota. Uh, and then that was discontinued. And he quoted, quotes, but the Women's Day event was probably threefold what the Minneapolis event was. So there's a lot of excitement. And the more we see and hear, it's generating even more excitement. Sanford has really embraced this. They're just rolling out the red carpet. I was amazed at the course, the clubhouse, and really the community by the buy-in, the buy-in of the community has been fantastic. And then she talks about Cambria, who is a big presenting sponsor. And as you know, Cambria big in Minnesota. So uh, Cambria came down here and they not only brought their staff, they also brought 50 clients. And uh, one of their folks says, we tapped into our salespeople across the U.S. and said, find your customers who want you want to entertain who love golf because this is a premium golf experience. So we've got customers we're bringing in and giving the VIP experience. And as uh, uh, Jody says, there's a benefit many probably wouldn't have expected. Dozens of business people being brought to Sioux Falls who are go- hope, going to hopefully leave with a positive and potentially new impression of our city. Who knows what kind of future investments or relationships might develop because of that. Okay. So, and I think this is, you know, the point here. And we talk about Sanford on so many different levels because they're such a huge force in this community. And we know why. A lot of it's, well, it's all because of Denny Sanford's contribution, which is something near a billion dollars at this point. And as Jody says, imagine all the people who have received a positive impression of our community in the past week because of the investment in this event. Then think of the many more who have heard Sioux Falls repeatedly during Golf Channel's coverage of the event. Um, And I think that she's right. And she talks about uh, the value of the investment for the community. And, you know, you see a lot of coverage on big events, right? The economic impact, which is, you know, a guess. Let's be serious. Um, It may be a decent guess, but nobody really knows. And much the same with this. But when you're bringing all the people into the town and people are seeing it out town in a very positive light, even though it's golf, right? And I love golf, but it's not, you know, this weekend's pretty mainstream sport. Tiger Woods won again. But it's not the NFL, right? It has a particular audience. 
but that is an audience that we want to cultivate. And so sometimes in South Dakota, our reputation outside the borders of our state is not the best. Right? Not in my mind, anyway. Sometimes we get recognized for some really goofy stuff. So whenever this city can brand itself as a place where there's exciting things going on, progressive things going on, interesting things, groundbreaking things, then that's good for us. And for all the heat that Sanford takes for doing all the athletic events and sponsoring everything, that value is huge. And it's huge for Sanford, too. That's why they do it. So do I, I want my medical bills to be less, too. But there's not a one-to-one relationship between those things. And some people lost a little bladder control. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. I didn't have to watch all the media. Thank God I was gone. But Jody's column, which is very good and worth your read at Business, I think gives you a good perspective on the whole weekend from a different point of view. That's the PL on today's Patrick Lally show, The Bottom Line. And you can reach me at Patrick at KSO.com via email at P Lally Show on the Twitters. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk with the common man on Weird Friends, which is always fun. So you're going to stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I rode into town on a crippled horse. Got fired from a cattle drag up north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 35. 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Contrary to previous reports. That's a quarter. That's a quarter in the jar. Whoops. Uh, we are very happy to welcome back to the show my good friend, my weird friend, the common man. Mr. Common, uh, say I was, in, I was in your holy land over the weekend, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, you know, I, you're you're from Minnesota, I know, but uh, you uh, you have this you have this affinity for uh, your people, the Packers, these green people, right? They, they, all that, you know, we've talked about that in the past. Well, yes, yes, and oh yes. I'm so I'm at this uh, uh, I'm at this uh, bike race right outside of Madison, and it's a lot of you know cyclists. So and there's people from all over there. So there was a very low, uh, almost zero proportion of your usual Packer gear, right? Mm. And on Sunday, I saw something that I thought was very unusual. And it was a family of four, all adorned in their Packer jerseys, right? Mm-hmm. All with the, the sort of classic Wisconsin physique. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're standing there, and they're off to the side, kind of by the one of the, you know, it's a big area, but kind of by the truck factory there. And... Mom and dad, the kids are sitting in the grass there, you know, it's fine. We're kind of watching. Mom and dad uh, pulling on a heater. <laughs> Got a little experiencing <laughs> in the lung dart. Okay. Yeah. And they're just hanging out there at this event, and I'm thinking, did they get lost? <laughs> I mean, how, they just seem they should be in, a, in like a sports grill somewhere yeah. watching the game. Yeah, but, uh, hmm. Did they get in? They just go. They think it was like NASCAR or something. I don't know. And then I saw them later, further in, 
Same thing. Kids sitting on the grass. <laughs> Parents probably have to be the only two people in the probably 5,000 people who are assembled there pulling on the heaters. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it was, strange. you know, it was like what, what, what not to do. Yeah. I don't know, you know. But they had the jerseys on so you could keep track of them. That's why maybe that was it. Uh, that's like a license to smoke if you were in a Packer <laughs> jersey. That's that's unfair. Well, it's a it's a life. It's uh, wearing a Packer, being a Packer fan is a license to make bad decisions. That's uh, true. Uh, yeah. you, you're going to make probably going to drink excessively, and, and all, you know it leads to it's a gateway to a lot of bad things. Yeah, and uh, I so I was yeah I was standing there thinking of you. Uh, this cyclist <laughs> thing. We we yeah. need to talk about this. What's the, the, the cyclist Why? thing? You know. But, it's fine. You know, it's good. You know that most people, everybody likes bicycles. Yep. And then they turn fourteen. <laughs> no. You know, and then that's they, fine. And then they, they start move driving, on, and know? then they turn forty, and they go ride a bike. <laughs> okay. You know, then they then they learn the, the the joys of the internal combustion engine, and you know, and the bicycle not so important anymore. John, 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 John. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to have to just agree to disagree on that one, right? Fine. Um, what was that? What other something else I going to talk to you about? Did you get to go to the golf tournament? I did. I did. It was great. I thought you might go because you know you and I have spent a fair amount of time on the links, as we like to say, sticking, we have. sticking. Before yes, before you you became uh, enamored Less, with the wh- two wheeled thing. <laughs> there were more of me then, but mm. that's. That's fine, uh, but I was one of the things I was bummed about that I didn't get to go to the tournament. So, uh, how was it? I hear there are a lot of people there. It was. We went to, and, and uh, thanks to the largesse and, and uh, sweet nature of, of good friends, we had the like the super cool premium package. You got to be up in the in the uh, grands, you know, the like where the cool really? folks got to hang out and stuff. Are these? Is that because of some mutual friends of ours? Yes, oh. mutual friends of ours. Yes. Yeah, baby. All right. Yes. And uh, and uh, and it, it was great. You know, the thing was, was I was really struck by a couple things. Uh, that that first off, uh, they were able to get the course in such great shape after the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. biblical downpour that happened during the week leading up to the tournament. Mm-hmm. And second, you know, the Sioux Falls fans are incredibly enthusiastic, and I think the golfers really enjoyed that because I think they they play to a lot of. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. But because of that, they're also because everybody's having a great time and, and they're having fun. They don't really do too great with the golf etiquette stuff because they they build these pavilions in the grandstands like ten feet from the greens. Mm-hmm. And there's people in there going, "Hey, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'll have another one," you know. And yeah. it's and and the, and the gals chit chatting about stuff, and the guys are holding the quiet police signs up, and they're just. But they're too Midwestern to go, hey, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, and then I told her, I told Sally that you just, you can't put that much sugar in that recipe. But she she listened to me, no. And Marcy says she wants to go to Creighton, but that's, uh, (laughs) it's just too far away. We shouldn't make we shouldn't make fun of the wings. It's too hard. <laughs> Let's make fun of the men too. Yeah, you know, they yeah. say stupid stuff. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. But anyway, just the, the various. But people are just enjoying it, and I think one of the things about having a senior event, mm-hmm. you know, is that you really get the best. The senior players are so much more fun to watch mm-hmm. because they're you know they're not their life probably doesn't depend on how they do. You know, it's it's different when you're making your first ten cents. 
as compared to your last ten cents in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're as just, long as you made ten billion in between, yeah. you're all right. And most of the guys on that tour have have made some scratch in their day. You know, they're playing because they love to play golf and they still want to compete. So when they go out and the, the, the interplay and the back and forth and you know they were just very. It seemed yeah. like they were just having a good time, just, yeah. just playing when instead of the grinding guys looking like they're going to the electric chair half the time that uh, that you see from the the normal tour pros. So it was a much better interplay, and, and I think the the fans really benefited. But my highlight was getting to see Jack Nicholas. Oh sure. So did you get up close and personal? Well, I got there. I, I you know I I elbowed a few ten uh, year olds out of the way. And, <laughs> <laughs> and snuck up there by the ropes to watch him on the driving green. You know, and the, so that was kind of, you know, I felt kind of bad for Jack in a way. Yeah. Because he's 78 years old. Jeez. You know, so he's going to go out and play these nine holes to to kind of wrap up the tournament and and put a nice bow on it. And Jack walks out to the driving range, and, and there's all of a sudden there's, there's three, I bet you there's 2,500 people. Jeez. Staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, uh, you guys all realize I'm 78, right? <laughs> this I'm, is this is not going to be a really exciting display of golf that you're going to see here. And he's two clicks away from 80, and so but he but he hit the ball well, and, and uh, he was very very good. And I, I credit him for his stamina because they really put him through his paces while he was here, going through the hospitals, visiting this, going mm-hmm. meeting kids. I mean, I'm, if I'm 78, mm-hmm. I'm going to have the remote, and I'll be having that heater. <laughs> you know, Take up smoking people. at 70. <laughs> I think I'm going to. If I make it that long, I'm, I'm going to give it a whirl. <laughs> that, yeah, and a nice, uh, nice cocktail and watch golf on TV. That's right. Watch other people do things while I wait, you know, for the sweet re- re- reward and release that death will bring. <laughs> so you had a good weekend. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. Oh, uh, yeah, except did for the you, Did you take uh, uh, the great and mighty Ortman with you? No, Ortie was, Ortie's not allowed. He has, there's just several restraining orders against yeah, him that that's true. don't allow him to be at public events like that. <laughs> that's probably good. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with the common man. Uh, he's got some ideas on, on, well, we'll just leave it. We'll leave, we'll leave it till after the break, and we'll be right back with the common man on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we're chatting here today with the common man on Weird Friends, and we just tackled the whole world of golf, which is good. But uh, Mr. Common, uh, so things are heating up in the political world, and uh, and and I always like to get your take because going way back when when the common man first entered the scene, the mass media scene, it was as a kind of a political voyeur, right? Mm. I mean, that's a fair statement, right? Yeah. So yeah, every yeah. once in a while, we need to sort of revisit the world of politics. And uh, uh, so have you, been, have you been watching some of the, now we're starting to get kind of hot and heavy on these state races, these statewide, these, the governor and the current Congress and everything. I mean, just, I'm interested in your thoughts on these issues. Well, I mean, it's it's I, just judging by the yard signs. You know, you go do the yard sign check. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me that the 
the Sutton Gnome race is, is maybe going to be a little closer. Than, I mean, it, I, I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't get all excited. But, you know, but I think it's, the number is going to be kind of interesting because, you know, just by my yard sign math mm-hmm. and where I'm seeing them, it seems like that's a different, little different uh, blend. But, you know, Billy, in, between Billy and Christy, I think you're, you're working on just about the perfect South Dakota politician. Yeah. You mash those two up. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got yourself one heck of a South Dakota politician. You, you remember the old country, uh, David Allen Coe, the country western star? Yeah. You know, and he, he said he wrote the perfect country western song. You know, he mashed up everything that you needed to have the perfect country western song. And it was a song that had, it was about the woman who left mama, trains, prison and getting drunk it was all in the one song mm-hmm. never even called me by my name was the song mm-hmm. so that's always been thought of as the perfect country song because it had all the necessary elements i've often thought what what the perfect you know, if you're going to like frankenstein build a south dakota politician mm-hmm. what what would be the elements you need to have to make that just the robo sd politician I mean, well, where would you start, Patrick? Well, first of all, you bring back bucket loads of cash from the federal government, but that's, that's right. you know that's a different kind of thing. I think you're you're thinking more of a sort of the persona of this person and their sort of policies, right? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, it's 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 more about the look and feel, but that never hurts, you know. Well, be first of all, certainly yeah. anti-spending unless it comes to South Dakota, right? And, and that's fine. against big government. You have to be anti-big government <laughs> unless they come with the money. <laughs> well, right? wait a minute. Our spending, that's, that's, that's important. Right. No, be fiscal conservative. That's, <laughs> you start with saying, I am a fiscal conservative. <laughs> right? That's right. And by fiscal, I mean the money you spend on us is fine. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> the, the money we tax. Yeah, so you've got to be against an income tax. You've got to be a fiscal conservative. That's, that's a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. But you, I think you've got to be born on, you be born on a ranch mm-hmm. or on a farm. That helps. You know, I think you, you've, you've got to be, you know, probably had to lead your team to a state title yeah. of some you nature. you definitely got to be able to ride a horse. Got to right? ride a horse. Yeah. Got to have a certain penchant for flannel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be, that's, uh, absolutely. You have to be able to wear a flannel shirt well. Mm-hmm. And you better have at least uh, two pairs of cowboy boots in the closet, and they better have something some sort of detritus on them that, that <laughs> sort of reminds us of, of the fresh country air. Something stuck to them. Something stuck in the bottom or, you know, in the corner <laughs> that, that knows you're South Dakota. Yeah. Those are just, that's standard. SOP yeah. right there. So, you, yeah, but you had to go to school. You, had, you know, if you, if you left to go to school, you had to go to someplace like super, like everybody knows it's really great, smart. Mm-hmm. But you had to come home afterwards, mm-hmm. help on the farm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think you know, the horse thing, you have to have a spouse who looks at you like Nancy Reagan. <laughs> oh, <then>, Ronnie. <gasps> God, you know, that's what they should say. Just find someone who looks at you like Nancy Reagan looked at, looked at Ronnie. <laughs> and if you had a tattoo of Ronald Reagan on you, that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad touch either. No, no, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's something kind of, you know. Yeah. Just creep it on the shoulder. <laughs> that shows 
that shows at certain functions and not at others. That's right. Yeah. No, I got that. That's and cool. you got to be able, when you have your, your coffees, you know, you got to be able to talk herbicides and economics mm-hmm. with similar grace and ease. Mm-hmm. you get, you got to be able to weave in, you know, this, well, I don't know. For beans this year, I, I'm thinking this. <laughs> and pretty much, you know, the invisible hand as far as politics goes. You know, that's... It's economics. It's just it's you know it's it's such a delicate balance because you've got to be country, but you, but they you have to show that level of of, uh, of chops, sophistication, economically. You have to be able to work a room, right? Work a room, and then, and then you have to have the helpers. Mm. Yeah, that spouse has is, is, is got to be adoring. It, it got to have at least you know three kids, mm-hmm. you know, a couple cute girls and a, a dutiful son. Because if you only have two, then you seem a little bit too yuppie. You're not really committed. <laughs> you know, two's just, two, you just did that. Yeah. I mean, two, three shows that, by God, I love kids. <laughs> I don't just like kids. I'm investing in the future of the state of South Dakota. Uh, I'm willing to have more kids than my wife and I. Yes. Because you're, you're, I'm you're not a afraid. Plus, you're a plus one. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't mind going on the penalty kill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just so because uh, that's how much I love children. Oh you know, man! But that's it's a. But uh, I think it's a tough role to fill, and there's only a, a few that do it. But but like I said, Billy and Christy, if you took those two, smoosh them together. Yeah, you really have yourself one heck of a South Dakota politician. Yeah. Well, we'll see which one comes out on top. You know, we'll have to think. I want to explore this more uh, next week. Okay. Sure. Right. Uh, so, what do you, what, if you had to put a, if you had a guess and say what the number would be, you know, fifty-five, forty-five, whatever. What, what do you think? How do you, how well at this point do you think he would he would do? What would be a what would be a success for him? Anything in single-digit spread. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. If, yeah. he, if he could go fifty-five, forty-five, I think that, they, that that would be heartening. Yes, but yeah, that would be that would be an upgrade for Democrats. Yeah. Huge moral victory, but we'll see. I. You know, there's a long way to go yet. Well, it's actually getting pretty tight, but there's still some the very important days coming up. But we're going to continue that. I like where we're going with this. So we're going to talk more about that next week. Is that cool? Oh, I'd love to. All right. Wait. Oh, there it is. David Allen Coe. Yeah. If you, well, if, you, if, if it was possible to play a David Allen Coe song right. on the air. That's cool. We just did. All right. Hey, uh, Common Man, thanks a lot. We'll chat with you next week, all right? You bet, Patrick. Take care. Coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, after the news at the top of the hour, we're going to chat with the mayor, Paul Tenhaken, here on the Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Coming up, the mayor, Paul Tenhaken, stay with us. This is Information 1000 KSOO. Four at 14 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are here with His Honor, the Mayor, Mr. Paul Tenhaken. Do you get embarrassed when people call you like His Honor? No, it's Lord Mayor is, is the preferred term, actually. Yeah. <laughs> kidding. That's why I made my kids call me, but yeah, no. Yeah, that's right. No, it's working you, out pretty well for Paul's you. Paul's fine for, for us, man. Yeah, that's cool. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, how are you? Generally, I'm good. Yeah, life's good. It was a good week last week in the city. Uh, budget got approved Tuesday night at council. Uh, we so we had a great meeting then. Uh, 
rolled out a, a framework for the city employees this past week of kind of our vision for the next several years, and that's been well-received. So I would say last week was my best week in city so far. Really? Well, yeah. that's saying something, isn't it? Is it is saying something. So I'm, you're you're on the up. It's not so much where you are, it's where you're headed, right? I'm finding a little bit of a stride. Not a lot, but a little bit. I'm starting to figure things out. <laughs> Something will happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Give it time. Did you uh, – we had that ton of rain, and I was uh, I was actually out of town for a little while uh, just as it was finishing up. I saw all the photos on the ver- from various sources. Uh, it was a lot of rain, but everything seemed to go okay in terms of flooding and sewer backups and that kind of thing. Was, from your perspective, it cool? Man, I don't, I don't think people realize – how much water we got in in that last several days over the uh, you know Tuesday Wednesday Thursday last week and how the city reacted to it, and you know what was really interesting is I took a bus tour recently with Jeff Schmidt who's our chief planning officer he drove us around the city with some chamber people and he's pointing out different parks like Spencer Park and he said you know how we get a big rain this whole park park floods and we get calls all day oh Spencer Park's flooded mm-hmm. what are you gonna do this is designed to flood mm-hmm. this is a floodplain this is supposed to happen. In three days, it'll all go down. You go back to Spencer Park today, it looks like it did, you know, 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. And so really fantastic planning by our city. And that uh, uh, decision was made uh, decades ago, four or five decades ago now, mm-hmm. when there used to be houses and businesses and a lot of different stuff down in that floodplain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they made a decision, say, you know, maybe we shouldn't have that down there. And that's what birth the greenway mm-hmm. exactly and that's what it's supposed to do exactly it's supposed to flood we're supposed to get water all over the park there and it's like give it time it'll go down park will be back to normal and it's all good again but the uh the the, the sort of drainage the sewer we used to get some sewer problems with big rains some b- backups and there's been tens of millions of dollars in improvements right that all worked it all worked we didn't hear of a single backup uh this last storm our Water, a wastewater treatment plant, which operates at about 35 million gallons a day. It's its peak max. It was running at about 45 million gallons a day. Oh, really? So a tremendous strain on the plant. We actually had to put out a uh, notice from the city say, hey, you know, avoid water consumption if you can. You know, shower once every other day if you yeah. can instead mm-hmm. of every day. I mean, it was... It was that bad. It was running really hard, but uh, no disasters. If it's yellow, let it mellow. Kind of. <laughs> you said well, it. <laughs> and we went through that right? uh, in a big way when we did have the big sewer emergency from, well, gosh, I saw what's been six, seven years ago now. But mm-hmm. when it was like, don't flush the toilet. Right. And that's that's a good segue into the, the budget that we passed Tuesday night, which was a big budget. Part of that is... We're taking the first steps into a really substantial water reclamation expansion, mm-hmm. which has to be done in order to make sure we have the capacity as the city grows to handle, um, you know, the strain that it takes to keep toilets flushing, you know, keep mm-hmm. sump pumps pumping, you can keep shower water draining. And uh, so we have about a $260 million project we're looking to bring forward to the council that if it happens, it'll be done in 2025. So if I would happen to serve two terms, mm-hmm. that's like the... The legacy project. It's done at the end of the end of the second term. So when you think Paul Tenhaken, think, think wastewater, think sewage. <laughs> yeah, right. You must be very proud. It's, right now. You know, it's hard to sell naming rights to it. Let me tell you that. <laughs> hey, yeah. There's got to be something out there. Uh, you would you would think if you, you can know? sell naming rights to just about everything else. You would think. How about our wastewater treatment plant? I, you know, if you got options, we'll take them. Uh, speaking of it, it's two hundred sixty million dollars, right? That's the estimate. Mm-hmm. Do you think people really understand what it is? You know, um, I think I've heard some people say, 
we're spending this on water and getting water to our city. It's mm-hmm. to get, that's Lewis and Clark. We spent a lot of money on that. We're still paying down that, that debt. That was a really smart investment that previous leaders made in the city to make sure our water needs are met. This is to make sure as the growth continues to happen that, you know, when you flush a toilet, you take a shower, your water goes down the drain, it goes to a facility where we treat it, we make sure it's, it's, uh, it meets state and federal requirements, mm-hmm. and then we can pump it into a river where it's, it's clean, treated water. That's what a water reclamation, that term means we're reclaiming the, the water to make it good again. And so um, I think it's, you know, the term wastewater or people call it sewage, and mm-hmm. those are just kind of gross terms. So mm-hmm. water reclamation is the more kind of hipster, eco-friendly term. But it's just making sure our water is treated properly and put back in an eco-friendly way hipster i like that hipster <laughs> term water reclamation but now the the other thing that you're facing though and i think we've talked about this a little bit with that is that there's the potential of some higher standards for nitrate for what you can put back into the river and you're looking at there's a very weird situation that we're in where the upper big sioux has uh, less restrictive requirements than the lower big sioux mm-hmm. and essentially in some ways you're cleaning the water that's sent to you because you can only have the nitrates be so much. Are, is this costing us, how do I say this? Are, are you having to deal with water from a, uh, because uh, the, the, the requirements are different, that this is going to cost us more because we've got to get more nitrates out? Or are you planning for uh, a situation in the future where we have to be putting out cleaner water than yeah. we are right now? Yeah, it's, it's more the latter because we're, you know, that's just a, a general expectation. The, as the state and federal requirements change, the water that used to be considered treatable and pure and able to be put back into a river, you know, 30 years ago mm-hmm. in 85 when this plant was 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 built, uh, th- that's not acceptable anymore. And so uh, the standards are getting more stringent. And so the way we treat water is different. In some ways, that's a little bit more expensive than it, mm-hmm. than it has been in the past. Um, the We've had a few issues again with uh, Smithfield, a.k.a. Morell's. Um, that doesn't really affect what you do, right? Correct. Correct. So That's they, their problem, essentially. It's their problem. It's our river. It's, it's state um, guidelines and state regulations that they were not meeting. So the state's enforcing that, and they had some challenges, but it directly impacts us in Sioux Falls. That's our water. That's our river. That's our namesake. So I'm not one to say, well, not my problem. State, you got to work with Smithfield mm-hmm. and figure that out. You know, we're highly incentivized to make sure that they're following the letter of the law with how they're treating their own water there um, that they're putting back into the Sioux. Are you happy with their response and the state's response to their discharge? Now, there was, because there was some squishiness in how that was portrayed from the state in terms of the last. Was it ammonia? I think it was ammonia. Yeah, it was ammonia. Um, Discharge from the river is like, ah, it's fine. Well, it wasn't exactly fine. It wasn't exactly fine, I think. But like I said before, the the acceptable levels and the standards are quite high and stringent. So even when when it appears that, okay, they're not following that or they had a lapse in their plan, it's still fairly clean and safe. It just isn't to the levels that the state is requiring. So Smithfield has been a really great partner for the city. This wasn't an ongoing thing that was happening for years and years. The squishiness was on part of the state, though. The really. squishiness was on part of the state. They Correct. did not portray, perhaps, uh, did not bring the urgency to it that perhaps it should have had. Did they tell you the same thing they told the public? Did you get any sort of indication that this was maybe 
a little more serious than they gave us indication. You know, we knew uh, we knew the the severity of it, but we again relied on the state and Smithfield to be correcting the issue. So the information the public got is the same information the city got, and you know we're happy with where they ended up on it. I think Smithfield has a higher level of. Um, Oh, their their antennas have been raised to the issue now, probably a little more than before. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a couple months, we're going to be organizing the it's called the Mayor Summit uh, on the the Big Sioux River on the water cleanliness, and that's going to be important to me because as we continue to invest around our river uh, in downtown Sioux Falls, making sure that that river uh, is a protected asset is going to be really really important. And so when we hear about these improper discharges and other things, I mean, that's a, that's a problem. It's a concern. It should be a concern, and it is a concern for me. We are, in fact, investing uh, a quite a bit more money in Phase 3 of the uh, Greenway development there, the riverfront. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit last time. You're, you're cool with the amount of money we're spending there? It's, it's a lot of money. It is. Next phase, uh, next year's CIP, we, I think we have about $100,000 scheduled just in the design. Yeah. So, And the timing is right because of what Sue Steele is doing, what the Levitt Shell is doing. There's a lot of development happening on the next phase of the river. So we want to make sure we don't get caught flat-footed and be like, oh, I wish we had thought of this when, when Sue Steele right. was we were working on this stuff so we can work together and collaboratively. But down the road, there's more and more money. Down the road, there'll be a substantial investment in the next phase, just like there was in the first couple phases. And then we saw the the CNAs come out of that, mm-hmm. uh, and we saw East Bank development come out of that, and uh, we saw all the great development you've seen over the last several years along the river, spin-off, Sharapa, things like that, that happened as a result of the city's initial investment. The I've had it raised to me, uh, and now I can't even remember who told me this, so I probably shouldn't say it on the air, but I'm going to, um, that the that the, there was some amount of money used for the riverfront development that came from the Morel, one of the original Morel settlements over water quality. And is that the appropriate way to use that money? And I don't know how familiar you are with that sort of moving around of cash, hmm. but is that, that it was, it was a, it was a fine of Morel many years ago that was supposed to be used for improving water quality is improving the riverfront the appropriate use of water quality money. Boy, I can't speak to that because I don't know anything about that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead uh, five-month-in mayor Yeah, uh, no, here. take the dive. That's yeah. fine. But what I, <laughs> what I will say is if that, if that was, in fact, the case, depending on what the terms of the settlement were, I'm guessing it was uh, this money has to be used to invest in the river. Now, mm-hmm. what that means is that river cleanliness, is that the development along the river, is that the greenway, as long as the, you know, we couldn't use it for public transit or we couldn't use it to develop a new mm-hmm. park on the north side of town or something. And buffer um, strips and, and the way you design a riverfront uh, development, for instance, affects what goes in the river, right? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's that's when we talk river cleanliness, part of it happens uh, within Sioux Falls, but most of the cleanliness is what happens upstream, way upstream, you know, with cattle in the river, mm-hmm. with runoff in the river. That's where you're going to start to make the significant impact in the cleanliness of the river. And one of the things the city has done is try to say, because that's always a contentious issue, when you point to the farmers and you say, could put you know, manure in the river, you're raising the phosphates and the nitrates levels, which causes foam, which causes all these problems. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, you're not doing anything. you know. But are you happy with what the city has done to try and uh, limit the amount of nitrates and phosphates that we pump back into the river? I think we've done an okay job. I think we can do better. I really do. 
Cool. We're going to come right back and talk more with Mayor Paul Tenhaken after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we have in the studio with us Mayor Paul Tenhaken, and we've been chatting about wastewater, and what can be more exciting than that, so you've come to the right place. Um, let's hear, let's cover a couple things that have happened recently. Uh, first of all, uh, there was a story not that long ago uh, from Joe Sneevy and the Argus Leader about uh, the uh, ambulance contract that's coming mm-hmm. up. What would it take for you to support a public ambulance service? We know that it's not an easy issue. We know that it would be an investment. We know that it would take a while. But what would it take for you to philosophically say, you know what, I think that's something I like? Well, uh, this year we've actually taken a, a small step towards that, towards a, a public ambulance service by the uh, an ALS initiative, which we have in our budget, which would allow a couple of our engines to provide kind of advanced ALS services. Because the fire engines always get there first. And when you say most ALS, you mean advanced life support. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Most of them, not most of them, but there's a lot of trained mm-hmm. uh, firefighters who are EMTs Mm -hmm. and paramedics. And so the argument has always been, they're trained already. Why don't we have them do this service? And there's a variety of reasons. There's the transfers and all the other pieces that go with providing uh, ambulance service. We are going to move in that direction eventually. I mean, as your city grows, you don't have privatized ambulance service for forever. It will get to a point where it's no longer profitable for like a Paramedics Plus to be in the market. Um, And so we will move that direction. However, the budgetary uh, issues around that is you have to plan for that for a while, and we've already started on that. We've already looked at, okay, by, uh, by 2024, 2025, this is going to be something we're going to probably have to be in that business. And so talking with our chief, talking with uh, our, our health department, talking with uh, the Metro Communications, talking with REMSA, trying to figure out what the long-term strategy needs to look like for us to get into that business, what's the liabilities, what's the capital outlay, um, where do we, how do we staff this, where do we house this, what buildings do we need. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a big addition to the city. So I know some people would say, let's do it now. Why aren't we doing mm-hmm. this now? We're heading there. We're heading there. It's just going to take time to get there. That sounds uh, perhaps more definitive than maybe we thought uh, because – the we there was a study that said we should look at it, but what you're saying is we have to look at it because we're going in that. We're going to have to look at it. Yeah. It's not it's not an if but a when, yeah, really. And 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 you know the, the the thing is, Paramedics Plus is in front of us and and looking at and asking for a six year extension. It's going to be all of six mm-hmm. years before we're ready to do this. So That's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable at all. Their service levels have been fantastic. Uh, if you look at the, the 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 guarantees that that they're supposed to meet with their service, they're exceeding that by a long way, which means they could potentially be slacking off a little more and saving some costs and still be meeting their contract needs. They're not, so I'm going to be supportive of that extension while we work out what a privatized or excuse me a public ambulance service. Could do look you put like. uh, do you uh, put together a, a a committee? How do you how do you take those first steps? Is that something you do within the the, stru- the existing structure of the executive branch of, of city government and just say, I'm going to pull some of my people together, the fire chief, the police chief, uh, anybody that is touching these things, Metro, and, and you sit down around a table and you put together an action plan? Yeah. Or, or, or is there some sort of a other exploratory process there? You know, uh, the, the lead on that would likely be started with REMSA, uh, you know, and the work that they do with overseeing mm-hmm. our, 
and that is a citizen time. board and filled, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, staffed essentially by not staffed it's volunteers but they're professionals they're medical professionals right yeah so we would look to them to say uh you know where do you see us going? What's your recommendations? And then between the city, the county, metro, that we start putting together a task force to move ahead with what our you know four or five year plan on this needs to look like. Uh, let's talk about the budget. You brought it up. Um, you passed a, a a it was just shy, just shy of a half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a fiscal conservative, right? I am, we're, man. We're, I'm Dutch. We're <laughs> we're all fiscal conservatives. <laughs> and uh, uh, how did that feel? You also had a little tax increase in there. Mm-hmm. Did you consider saying, we're not going to raise the taxes. We're just going to find this million and a half out of this half a billion or whatever. I, the, yeah. the, the tax increase was not huge. No, our, our, it's called the CPI, Consumer Price Index, and that allows us to, uh, by by law, raise property taxes accordingly. And so it's basically us keeping up with inflation. So if you don't take it, it's kind of the equivalent of uh you know, if, if I said to you, Patrick, hey, we're going to give you a cost of living increase, you're like, you know what? I really don't need it. I'm going to just kind of cut a little bit mm-hmm. and make it work. Well, the city's the city's subject to the f- same inflationary costs that Joe Public is with our staffing, with our lumber, with our, you know, maintenance and equipment and everything else. So we need to take that uh, increase whenever we can. And it's historically the city has never not taken the CPI. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take it every time it's it's there because but we you need could be, to you know, it could be the big tax cutting hero. And, I could be and say we're not going to do it. I could be if our city was uh, if our city was stagnant and growth was stagnant and we didn't have the need for public ambulance and uh, two hundred sixty million dollar water rack expansion, some other things, absolutely. Um, but we're growing; needs are growing, and so that uh, that tax increase, although quite small to the average taxpayer mm-hmm. uh, and their property taxes, is going to really help out the city. What was the total amount? I, I have a, ha- a million and a half in my head, but yeah, that, I think no, I think it was I think it was like two point one okay. is what it ended up being. Right. I want to say. Well, we were watching it. You Don't know, quote I, I me watched on that. it. It might have been closer to a million. Don't quote me on that. No, no, it's sorry, but in in a, in it's, a half it's a billion minor dollar. in a half a billion dollar yeah. budget. Correct. Did you feel going through the budget process that you actually had? some flexibility or was so much of it already dictated that really your hands are tied? That's a great question. A lot of people think you start, you know, I get sworn in May 15 and May 16, you're putting a budget together. Well, the truth of the matter is we're starting on our 2020 budget now, you know, in the next two months. And so you're looking at November, October, November, we're starting our 2020 budget. So by the time May comes around, that budget is 80, 85% done. So when I t- took office, they said, Paul, here's the needs. This is where we're going. This is the departments have already submitted these things. It's up to you now to make sure it fits within the CPI increase we're going to take with what we're seeing with inflation, what we're seeing with um, sales tax increase, and make sure that the numbers work. So we made some changes and we made some adjustments, but I'll say that now that I've gone through the budget process once, it's been extremely educational on how we do things, and I'm going to be um, more efficient going forward with when and where we you know, make decisions and spend money. We're going to come right back and talk more with Mayor Paul Tenhaken, a couple of other issues that have been rolling around in your city government. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we have been talking with Mayor Paul Tenhaken here about some different issues, the budget and sewage. And this has been this has been an action packed. <laughs> what haven't we covered? <laughs> 
Let's talk about streets. No, we're not going to talk about streets today. I don't want to talk about streets. Uh, we should talk a little bit about uh, a controversy, a bit of a dust-up, which was Jason Reisdorfer being named the uh, Director of Innovation and Technology. I get that right, right? That's right. Um, this is a new gig. Mm-hmm. Why do we need a Director of Innovation and Technology? Well, you know, for many years, 15 years, we've had a department city called Central Services. Central Services is, I've always equated it to its kind of that drawer when you walk into your house where you throw your keys, you, some markers are in there, maybe glue, there's maybe a carabiner or two in there, it's just all the stuff. Uh, that, was, that was our fleet, facilities, mm-hmm. IT, GIS, communications. And I wanted to elevate um, the technical aspects of the city and bring them up to the big table. And so moving facilities uh, out of that department, moving fleet to public works, which is 85% of our fleet is in public works. And Cities our size, and I've learned this through this Bloomberg-Harvard City Leadership Initiative that I've been part mm-hmm. of with 40 other mayors from around the world. Having a Department of Innovation or an Office of Innovation to challenge the city on doing um, cha- addressing city challenges in a different way than we historically have is really critical. And so as I looked at that and looked at our existing departments, I said, hey, we got to do government smarter going forward. And we need someone who owns innovation. We can't all own it because then no one owns it. Who is driving innovation in the city? And so to me, I looked where I know, and that's the private sector and people who I've seen doing it in the private sector. And Jason, But what was it about and, Jason, though? That Because he was working, you know, I don't know that much about him, uh, you know, but I know that he was, uh, the business that he had, he started uh, essentially um, selling online, eBay, Amazon, all these different things. He's growing, uh, uh, it's not his company, he was uh, working for uh, Weiser. 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 Yep. And, Weiser. And, and he's done quite well. But what was, what was it about that experience that makes him uh, innovative, that gives him that different perspective on government that will help us change the way we do business? Right. What I really needed in this role, and that's why people say, well, this is a tech role. This is not a tech role. Mm-hmm. This is a problem solver. I need someone who can solve problems. I don't need someone who knows the difference between server A and server mm-hmm. B. That's why I have an IT department and IT team. I don't need someone who knows the latest GIS mapping software. That's why you have a GIS team. I need someone who knows how we can take $9 million, 185,000 residents, and a broken public transit system and fix it. Mm-hmm. Solve that problem. That's a problem. I need someone who can look at the way we're patching potholes right now and the efficiency of that and say, how can we do this better? How can we do this more efficiency? How, with more efficiency? I need someone who looks at why we don't have an app for this city, an app that tells us uh, alerts, it allows us to report potholes, it allows us to report street, using technology in a more efficient way. So this is a chief problem solver role for the city. And that's why Jason, having done that in the private sector, he was just, it was a perfect fit, having grown a company from in a garage to mm-hmm. $60 million in revenue this last year and you know, north of 100 employees. You solve a lot of problems in doing that. How do you know if he's doing his job? Well, uh, that's a great question. And so what we're going to be doing is— Because it's ephemeral, right? It is, but the challenges that will be put in front of him— I, I, He was at lunch today. I spoke at Rotary, and— um, I sat down next to him and I said, hey, I got to run, but I got to tell you, you need to start thinking about public transit because that's going to be the first problem we're going to sick you on. And so how we'll know if he's doing his job is if we're moving the needle. If he shows up tomorrow morning, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, that's one way. But we need to see change in some of these areas where where we can do better and we can be more efficient. So that could be dollars saved. 
That can be efficiency in the services the government is providing. That can be overall just constituent satisfaction with the way problems are being handled. A lot of different metrics we'll use to determine if we're you know, moving the needle. He's pretty highly paid. There's some pushback on, on the salary because the, that essentially came in at what the person who was running central services was making, right? right? Budget, budget neutral change to the city. I tell you, hiring people from the private sector and the talents in the private sector say, hey, leave the private sector, mm-hmm. come into the fishbowl, be judged on everything you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in some cases, take a pay cut. Uh, that's a hard sell. And so if you want good talent, Erica Beck's another good example. You know, getting that person to leave the private sector when she could demand a job, whatever job in the development world, it's a hard sell. So you got to find people have that heart for public service and a heart for wanting to serve the city. And so I'm not competing with Lincoln and Fargo and Des Moines mm-hmm. for city employees. I'm competing with Sanford and Midco and DocuTap and other people who are looking for sharp talent like this. And so the city is an employer just like everyone else, and we, we have to pay fair wages to and get that talent. And it's terminal. You it, know, it, it's it, not it going to last forever. It is. And that's the thing is, you know, this could be worst case scenario. This is only a four-year job. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't get reelected or if I don't run again and then the next mayor doesn't like you, you're back on the streets again in four years. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about tearing out old houses. Uh, this became a, a dust up as well not so long ago with the little stretch there on Dakota mm-hmm. uh, from 18th to 19th. And the, it, it, those houses are dilapidated, okay? And uh, there was some question about uh, whether or not they were ever uh, on the market and whether or not people had the opportunity to rehab them. And all that's a fine discussion. And, and, and clearly the, the folks, the developers in this case, hadn't done all their due diligence and admitted it when they came before the council, to their credit. But in the broader sense, if you tear out these houses or anything like this in the Minnesota corridor, for instance, and you keep expanding the commercial corridor, what does that do to your core in terms of not just, I'm not talking about affordable housing. You can build nice houses there, but housing in the core mm-hmm. of whatever kind. And if this keeps happening, is there a danger here where we really are starting to limit the space that we have for housing? Downtown? Bingo. Man, I just, I just met with Councillor Kylie on this exact topic at 2.30. And we, we, we're using the term more in, in our administration called accessible housing. Affordable housing has this negative stereotype to it, mm-hmm. accessible housing. And we talk specifically about the core. And when we remove a $130,000 house from the core to make room for um, a commercial expansion, strip mall, whatever it is, we're not going to ever build a house for one hundred and thirty grand again. And that's, we, that's a decision we need to take very, very seriously. And so with accessible housing being one of the four core pillars I want to focus on you know, in the next several years, I am going to encourage our council and, and city leadership and our city departments to say, hey, we need to be very smart when we decide to raise a home in the core mm-hmm. for commercial expansion. I'm not saying we're against it, but we have to make sure that we're doing a one-for-one. So if that stock goes out, how are we replacing it? What are we doing to expand the stock somewhere else that will give us kind of a tit-for-tat and we're not just slowly draining the core of uh, you know affordable housing units? And as I have said, you can um, build – Nice housing, right? There's plenty of examples of people building it, just medium-range housing. I think about um, the the doctor group, and I've talked about this, behind Slim Chickens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an office building, and they could have sold it, developed it, whatever, and they built uh, these sort of condo townhouses mm-hmm. because they were committed to doing something like that. 
Now, they didn't have to. Nobody's making them. How can the city, can, can the city ultimately tell these developers what they can, can and can't do? We can't tell them what they can and can't do, but what we can do is cast a vision that says, this is what the city needs. This is the direction we have to move. So I met with a group two weeks ago. Um, it's private developers. It's a bank. And it's three faith-based organizations. Mm-hmm. And they, they're bringing something to me. They said, Paul, we have a plan to revitalize this neighborhood and this part of the core. And we don't need anything from the city. We just need you to be supportive of what we're doing. It's a, it's a high-risk, low-margin investment, but we know this needs to be done for the city. And I said, I love it. You tell me, tell me what I can do. I can be supportive. So that sort of, this is a Sioux Falls challenge, not a city problem, mm-hmm. meaning not just city of Sioux Falls government. How can we collectively tackle this? And it starts with, I think, the mayor and the administration saying, this is the direction we have to move. And the city will be supportive, but we're not going to be able to solve it all on our own. We need you to partner with us like that group is doing. Mayor Paul Tenhaken, he comes on the show periodically, and we discuss all the challenges to your fine city. Mayor Tenhaken, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Don Hager from Americans for Prosperity of South Dakota. We're going to talk trade. And the Boon Man is our weird friend of the day. Oh, that's going to be a time. Come back and join us on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.